Well, let us, for the time remaining, turn to the prophecy of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 1, and I'll read again just verse 1. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Adu, the prophet, saying, Now, dear congregation, if I was to ask you what you thought of the state of the cause of God in our own land. What would be your response? What answer would you give to me if I quite plainly asked you? What do you think of the cause of God in our own land? What state do you believe it to be in? I would imagine that it may uh, be said back to me that it is a day of small things. A day of small things in the cause of God. The church seems to be diminished. The church seems to be dejected, despondent and irrelevant in an age of apathy and opposition to the cause of God. And that's what it is. It's an age of discouragement. And these two things are prominent. Apathy and also opposition. Apathy to the cause of God is, well, you believe what you want to believe. I'll believe what I want to believe. I don't mind you going ahead and preaching. Do what you want, but don't don't ask me to listen. And then there's opposition. We have those who want to squeeze and strangle the message of the gospel of the church. They want to, as it were, push the church out of the public square. They don't want any reference to the God of our fathers in any sphere of life in our nation. And with the increasing and moral decadence in the nation... And the ever-increasing totalitarian secularism. We may say to ourselves, well, why bother? Why bother? We may get ourselves so discouraged in an age of discouragement. We may say, why bother? Everyone else seems to be advancing against us. But the cause of God doesn't seem to be advancing anywhere. Should we not just fit in to this age? Should we not just submit to this age of discouragement for the church in our own land? Well, should we allow this atmosphere of continual discouragements to lead us into indifference? Christians can become, the church can become indifferent to the age in which we live. Or... Should it cause us to assimilate, to not be distinctive, to not have an answer of hope for the men and women of this nation, but rather just assimilate into what this nation has become? Well, dear saints, these are matters similar to the post exilic age of the prophet of Zechariah. The age of Zechariah, the age that he was called to minister the word of God, was an age of discouragement for the church. 
But God sent the prophet Zechariah to encourage the church by the word preached. You see the importance of the preaching of the word of God. Zechariah was sent to encourage them. Now in our consideration of this book of Zechariah, our aim will be to encourage each other, to encourage us in the work of the church. To be a people of hope in an age of discouragement and death. So we have two points then this this, this morning. Our theme is Zechariah called and calling. Zechariah called and calling. And as I said we just have two simple points. Firstly Zechariah called. Zechariah called. Zechariah children was called by the Lord. We read in verse 1. Came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah. Now we must note the time of Zechariah's call. We will see that it is something we are familiar with. Remember that he was a contemporary of the prophet Haggai. Haggai and Zechariah were called at the same time by God to strengthen the people, the returnees of the exile. Ezra 5 and verse 1, Then the prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Adol, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. So here we have these two messengers of God. And they were raised up in and around the same time, about a month apart. And they were raised up as preachers to go to the the disgruntled and the discouraged people of God. And to preach unto them. To encourage them in their duties. So these two prophets were raised up to revive and to strengthen the church. By the word of God. Now the historical context of both Haggai and Zechariah's ministry. Was of course that Israel or Judah sorry. Had been taken into captivity. And Judah had been in captivity three score and ten years. Seventy years captivity. And we read in Ezra chapter one. Of their the decree of their return to Jerusalem. Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus the king of Persia. That's an encouragement in itself. God stirring up the heart of a heathen king to favour his people to favour the church that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom And put it also in writing saying. Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia. The Lord God of heaven. Hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he hath charged me to build him a house. At Jerusalem which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people. His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem. Which is in Judah. And build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God. Which is in Jerusalem. 
So here we have an account of this Persian king sending back King Cyrus, sending back the children of Israel. And that in itself, dear congregation, teaches us something of the trustworthiness of the word of God. Many men do not believe the word of God to be true. But here we have a historical account in the word of God. And it is to do with the redemption of God's people. And here it is recorded for us. Now the edict of Cyrus was thought historically to be around 538 BC before Christ. But the ministry of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah they didn't commence until the year 520 BC. Which gives us our context. You see those children of Israel who had returned started to build the temple and then they were discouraged which brought about a cessation of the work. They stopped building the temple after about a year. So for 17 years they weren't allowed because of indifference within, opposition without. They weren't permitted to continue building the temple. So they returned but the work had stopped. So we can see how discouraged a people that they could well have been. But then Haggai and Zechariah were sent to bring them out of this discouragement and to get them to lift up their eyes in hope. You see, dear saints, the return from exile was more than just an opportunity for these people to return to their homeland. It was something even more than the reconstruction of the temple that had been destroyed. It was a divine indication of God returning to Zion. Which of course was symbolised in the rebuilding of the temple. What did the temple do among the people? It was central to the life of the children of Israel. And that temple encouraged them. As they looked upon the temple, it signified to them hope in the temple of God that was to come. And who was that? That was Jesus Christ himself. All the sacrifices of the temple pointed like a big finger, children, pointed towards Jesus Christ who was coming. So even the temple in the midst of the people gave them hope. So the return was a promising age which very, very quickly turned to an age of discouragement due to, as I said, opposition without. There was those who hated the church, hated the Israelites, didn't want them to build it, sought to hinder them, a bit like today for ourselves. But there's those also who had indifference within who didn't care. Remember Haggai? What was the problem? They made beautiful their own houses. While the temple laid waste. So they used the materials to, that were for the building of the temple. To build their own homes. To beautify their own homes. So there was indifference and opposition. So the prophets were called. And the prophets were sent. Haggai ministered for around four years. But Zechariah 
ministered, it is thought, for 40 years. He had a 40-year ministry. And we read of the lineage of Zechariah in Nehemiah chapter 12. In Nehemiah chapter 12, we learn that Zechariah was from the line of a priesthood. So Zechariah, a bit like Ezekiel, was a priestly prophet. He was from a priestly line. And here we have God calling him to be a prophet to the people. Zechariah commenced his ministry a month after Haggai. Now, we even see the wisdom of God in the time in which these men were sent. Haggai was sent first. Why was Haggai sent first? Because his message was focused on the actual work. Remember when we considered the book of Haggai, only two chapters, and that continuous refrain was, build the temple, build the temple. So his ministry was focused on getting the people to commence to start the work and to get the temple completed. But Zechariah's message, who came about four or five weeks after Haggai, was focused on the manner and attitude of the people as they worked. So where Haggai was focused on the work, Zechariah was focused on the spirit in which the work was done, the attitude of the people. Zechariah has been known as the zealous enthusiast. We rightly say that he was an instructor in biblical enthusiasm. So what was he doing? He was coming along this discouraged people and he was trying to enthuse this people to be enthusiastic with the work. A biblical enthusiasm based upon the word of God as we will see over the next couple of weeks. He sought to encourage them. So Zechariah was called. But secondly, we know Zechariah's calling. Now we may ask, what was his mission? What was his ministry to be? Now the theme of his ministry, we know that he was sent to make the people enthusiastic about the work, encourage them. But the theme of his ministry is to call the church to return to God for blessing. Look at verse 3. And we'll consider verse 3 next Lord's Day. But we read in verse 3. Therefore say thou unto them. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Turn ye unto me. Saith the Lord of hosts. And I will turn Unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, the theme of of Zechariah's ministry was to get Israel to turn to God. To turn to the God of their fathers. And that God would turn on to them. He had a message for the people to return to God. 
during the construction of the temple. Now we have this recorded for us in the night visions from chapter 1 to chapter 8 of this book. And we'll consider some of these visions. And some of these visions speak to us of Christ pointing the people. Even during the construction of the temple. Pointing them to Jesus Christ. But Zechariah also had a message for the people after the completion of the temple. And that is God's return to them. God will return to you. We read of that in chapter 9 to chapter 14. So chapter 1 to chapter 8, it's the people's return to God. Chapter 9 to 14, it's God's return unto the people. His message simply is the best is yet to come. And that's a message that we need in our day. The best is yet to come. We may be discouraged when we look around about us. It is is as if the walls of the church are crumbling. But yet, dear congregation, we must be encouraged. Because there is better yet to come. Zechariah's calling is to set before Israel by the word preached. The necessity of faith and hope in God's unfailing purpose while in the work of God. You see, the opposite here is implied. Remember, he is sent four or five weeks after Haggai, so the work had commenced. They were busy building. But Zechariah is now sent in order that they may build in the right spirit. With hope and with faith. Now that teaches us an important lesson. That teaches us that we can go about the the mill as it were. We can go about our work as Christians. We can go about the work of the church. And yet be void. Have faith and hope absent. It's quite shocking isn't it? The necessity for us to do it with faith and hope. That what we do, that it will advance the kingdom of God. And that there is better yet to come. Now in addition to the message of returning to God, there is a theme of God remembering his people. Now dear children, the name Zechariah means God remembers. And as we study Zechariah, I want you to remember this, this truth. When you hear the name Zechariah, God remembers. And verse 14, we're given this thing of chapter 1. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. See, the focus is on Jerusalem. That's where the temple was being built. And Jerusalem's mentioned 40 or so times in this book of Zechariah. God will remember Zion. He will remember his people. And he will establish his kingdom. There's no greater message of encouragement, is there? When we think that the kingdom's not advancing, 
The things are only diminishing. If the word of God tells us something different. We are to be encouraged. God will remember. And God will establish his kingdom. We see something of the foundational purpose of Zechariah's mission. In that he is calling Israel to lift up their eyes. Lift their eyes above the age of discouragement. To God's coming kingdom. Now this is a theme throughout this book also. In verse 18 of chapter 1. Then lifted I up mine eyes. Chapter 5 verse 1. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes. Chapter 6 verse 1. And I turned and lifted up mine eyes. Dear friend. Have you lifted up your eyes to see the salvation of the Lord? Have you lifted your eyes to see the one who offers salvation? And the one who saves all those who come on to him. What does he say? I will in no wise cast out. We are to lift up our eyes in the commencement of our faith in God. And then we are to lift up our eyes in our pilgrimage. And in our work for the kingdom of God. Have we lifted up our eyes? Have you lifted up your eyes unto the Lord? Do you know that he lives and all who trust in him shall live? Though they be dead, yet shall they live. So we commence our Christian life lifting up our eyes. And we continue it in the lifting up of our eyes. Herein we see the importance of his message For us, the church. While subjects of the kingdom of God in this world, let us by faith look above the discouragements in hope. What are the discouragements that we're faced with in this land? Well, we've rhymed some of them off, haven't we? The moral decadence of the land. We see, as it were, the church discouraged. We are to lift up our eyes above these things. Above the despair. And we are to trust in God. That's one of the challenges of the ministry today. It is that one ought to have both the spirit of Haggai and the spirit of Zechariah. A minister is to seek to focus God's people on the work. The spirit of Haggai. But also to look ahead. At what is yet to be. The spirit of Zechariah. Now that considered in itself. Sets before us the necessity. Of the Holy Spirit. In the work of the ministry. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. In the church. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit. In the mission of the church. You know the Holy Spirit. Is the one who brings people in. Under the sound of his word. That word as he has authored. And then the Holy Spirit takes that word that he has authored. And he applies it to the hearts of sinners. And then in applying that word. The Holy Spirit then makes them alive. That's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit. In the work 
of the church. Only the Holy Spirit by the word preached can lead to the reviving also of the people of God, the children of God, in an age of discouragement. How does the Holy Spirit do that? With the grace of hope. The Holy Spirit enables us to exercise hope in looking above the discouragements and looking ahead to that which is to come. One writer remarked about the children of Israel and the ministry of Zechariah. He says, more than anything, they needed theological spectacles through which to view and understand the events of their day and the difficult situation of their daily lives. Called to address this need, Zechariah brought a theological message that was thematically centred on two things. One, the renewal of God's people. Return unto God. We will see next week that that is done in repentance. And secondly, the establishment of God's kingdom. Now we should note that in his calling to get Israel to look ahead to the establishment of God's kingdom, Zechariah has the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, as central to his message. Remember, these Old Testament prophets we read in the New Testament were sent by the Spirit of Christ, the ideal prophet. And what did these prophets preach? Well, they preached what I'm preaching this morning. They preached Christ. It's the only answer for salvation and for hope. For hope. Zechariah, as we will see as we study this book, fits into the description of a new covenant preacher that is given by Paul. That is given in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 23. What does he say? We preach Christ crucified. That's what Zechariah preached. And we will see it as we study this book. This is the only answer. The only hope for discouragement. The only thing that gives life to dead sinners. We preach Christ crucified. Dear saints, this is a marvellous truth for us to consider. The message of encouragement for the church in every age of discouragement has been what? Has been Christ and him crucified. Isn't that an encouraging thought for us in and of itself? In every age of the church from Adam onwards. The message that is given to the church in a time of discouragement. To encourage them, to revive them. Is the message of Jesus Christ. And him crucified. The Christ of God. Who was represented in the temple. Would one day. Be in the midst of his people. He was in the temple wasn't he? Haggai speaks somewhat of this doesn't he? That the desire of the nations shall come. He was in the midst of his people. Bringing of the kingdom of God. Our encouragement is that he is in the midst of his church still. 
the Son of Man walks among the candlesticks. Christ is spiritually in the midst of his church. And dear friends, where Christ is preached, Christ is present. That's a thought for us this morning. Christ is here with us in his spirit, searching our hearts. Our encouragement is that he is in the midst of his church. And he will one day return for her in glory. In the consummation of all things. And that's how we lift up our eyes in this age above the discouragements. These Israelites lifted up their eyes in the first coming of their Messiah. We lift up our eyes in the second coming of the Messiah. He's coming to judge the quick and the dead. But not only to judge, he's coming to receive his people unto himself. Now as we come to a close, we must think of the Christ-centeredness of Zechariah's message, of his ministry. The Christ-centeredness of Zechariah's message to Israel is demonstrated in the fact that in chapters 9 to 14 of the book of Zechariah, we have the most cited portions of the Old Testament in the Passion narratives of the New Testament. So there's more scripture quoted from Zechariah 9 to 14 in the, the narratives of the Passion, the crucifixion of Christ, than any other book in the Old Testament. So we see that he preaches Christ and him crucified. But we also have allusions to Christ as we will see in these visions from chapter 1 to chapter 8. The preaching of Zechariah had an immediate significance for this people seeking to build this temple. It was to revive them, to encourage them. But the preaching of Zechariah also had an eschatological significance. What, that, what does that mean again, remember? An end time significance. On that last day for the coming of the true Israel of God. His first and his second coming. Now I want us just to notice there's many and we could be here all day going through them. But I want us to notice just four occasions where the book of Zechariah is used in the New Testament. Now in Zechariah chapter 9 we read of a humble king. Chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah says rejoice greatly O daughters of Zion. Shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat the foal of an ass. And then he goes on in verse 10 to speak of this king. Who was this king? Well, Matthew tells us in Matthew 21 and verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. That is Zechariah. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold thy king cometh unto thee. Meek and sitting upon an ass and a coat the foal of an ass. So the king that Zechariah spoke about was Jesus Christ. We have also of his hands being pierced in Zechariah 12 and verse 10. 
And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one is in the bitterness of his firstborn. Who is that speaking of? Well, what does John tell us in John 19 and verse 37? And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. You see, Zechariah is speaking of Jesus Christ. 500 years, dear congregation, before Christ came, Zechariah preached him. We see uh, the historical authenticity of Scripture here also. It is to be believed because it is the Word of God. And it is also historically true. Zechariah chapter 13, we read of a fountain. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and uncleanness. And then we read in Revelation chapter 1 and 5 with regards to that reference. Also, verse 7 and verse 9 of chapter 13, we read of a shepherd being smitten. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. We read of that last week, didn't we? Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. When we considered Peter's denial, Mark 14 and verse 27. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. So there we have in that reference, Jesus is identifying himself as the shepherd that is spoke of in the book of Zechariah. So you see Zechariah's message is the same message that we have today. And God's message has never been changed. And it is to preach Christ and him crucified. The Christian's aim then in considering Zechariah's ministry is to see Christ. The result for the Christian will be to be encouraged in an age of discouragement. And for those of us who do not believe, who are yet in unbelief, when you see Christ, you will live. Salvation is of the Lord. Just as it was true for Israel that if there was a return to God in repentance, so God will return to them in restoration. Dear saints, so it will be for the church also. So it will be for our nation that is covenanted to God. If we return to God, God will. He has promised us. God does not renege on his promises. Scripture tells us God cannot lie. And his promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. So it will be for the church. As we consider God's word in Zechariah, may this be our constant prayer. O God, so let it be. 
Give us this spirit of repentance that we may return unto thee and return unto us in saving and in restoring grace. Well, may the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts. Let us pray.